Well, that, I feel like, like if you buy coasters, like you, there's no reason to get expensive ones because like you're almost certainly going to shatter them at some point. The whole point of the coaster is to be Ta- something that you don't even have to really worry about. Yes, the coaster is taking the brunt exactly. of the this. This coaster is getting destroyed, so the table's not destroyed. So the exactly. coaster's going to be destroyed. That's yeah, the point it's inherently disposed. It's like the bumper, yeah. Yeah, correct. It's they call it a bumper. How yeah. do they? So that's what I'm. I mean, told. I guess I just did. So I've been led to believe this. <laughs> Yeah. More and more, uh, more and more people are saying it. Yeah. Uh, so, hello everyone. I Very think... good coaster content. <laughs> yeah, quality here. coaster content. See, here's the thing. All this stuff has to get cut out because we can't say names. But, like, I was... Um, I was in an event and the mayor was there and sometimes depending on the company I'm with, I won't like approach him. Like a couple months ago, he was at Rocco's, but there happened to be a football match on. So he, he, he was going there so nobody would be there, but then we all turned up. So I fucking fuck with him, you know, but in certain company, I won't. <clears throat> How did you know he was there? How did I know who was there? That the mayor was going to be there. I didn't. So I rolled up on him. So the first part of the story is like what I would. Know, this is what I would do if I'm in my element. I turn. We turn up at Rocco's on a Wednesday afternoon to watch a Champions League football match from Europe, uh, and we go out to, at halftime to smoke a joint on Bancroft Parkway in the park because it's pleasant, in the flats. If people are familiar with it. <clears throat> well, when we go out to walk up Seventh Street, who's sitting outside talking to some goomba making some real estate deal? Mayor Mike Przicki. So I'm with a few people. One of them happens to be a who won't be named. Another one is uh, somebody else who can't be named. Wow, you really um, hold some esteemed company. Why's that? I guess I just like hang out with the plebes. Like, oh, you're with the the, and the, well, the heavy hitters. Look, it's don't... he's not a heavy hitter. Everybody knows that. Uh, yeah. And other people that can't be named. Yeah. Actually, the other person who can't be named is uh, he's a patron, so I'm going to keep his name out of it. So... We came up on him really fast, and I, and so he saw me, but we didn't say anything to him when we went up to smoke. Now, normally, we would sit there and bullshit, enjoy the park, sit in the fuck, and tell a joke, whatever. Um, but I take a couple hits real fast, and I said, I'm going back in. He's like, well, halftime's going to be 50. I said, no, no, he, he knows, he's going to try to leave. Watch. So I go back down 7th Street. As I'm going back down 7th Street, he's handing the check to the waitress. I'm like, I, I knew it. I got him. He pays by check, just like when he's going out to eat? <laughs> Oh, I could think See, of was the, nine years old. No, like, the check, like the like the. Oh, okay. <laughs> the bill, the okay. bill. All I could think of was the Big Lebowski when he pays for the milk and only yeah, seventy nine right. cents. Uh, the bill. He uses uh, Civil War greenbacks. <laughs> he's right. got a, he has a collection. He's got the, he's got was travelers checks, uh, or what was the what was that first diners club? He looks like a guy to have a diners club card. So pulls back because he doesn't want to be involved in this uh, for obvious this, like, reasons. This like hairy looking man who's like running towards the mayor. So I like, wasn't hey, running. Maybe I shouldn't. Now did want to follow because he wanted to see what I was going to say. <clears throat> so he's trying to get out of the thing and I said hey Mr. Mayor. He was like Thru. I said uh, you know if you want to come on the podcast and refute any arguments I make the door's always open. And he goes, I'll, I'll come on the podcast. And I went, come on, buddy. Don't say stupid stuff. And I tapped my glasses and I said, we're always watching you. 
and I just walked away. <laughs> so I left. It. So that's what I would normally do in that sort of situation. In this sort of social situation I was in, I was with people who, who were friends of friends, people that I respect. I'm not going to make a scene in their shit. <clears throat> but I always look at them. I always look at He sees me looking at him, and I look. Sometimes I pretend like I'm taking this picture just to like bother him. But I wouldn't say anything to him. <clears throat> so again, I go off with to smoke a joint. It is odd that that happened in both stories. <clears throat> We so come that back. That doesn't strike me as particularly odd. Right. I, I mean, was going to say, I, this is a I big component it, yeah. of many of your different stories. <laughs> Wait, so you you immediately went back to smoke another joint after you like this said a, like a sentence this to is, the mayor? This is a different day. Oh, oh So okay. after I said that to the mayor at Rocco's, we just watched the second half of the match. Oh, okay. We just ignored him. Subsequently, a week or two later, I see him at this outdoor event. And he knows I see him, and he kind of got a little. I, I sent a photo to uh, to to a few people. I said he's. I said his friends are laughing too. They're just off the frame because uh, he was just by himself. Right. <laughs> um, I made a meme. Uh, <clears throat> so I come back, and now he has his like his body person there, and there's like a cop hovering around. And I'm like, oh boy. So I sit back down, and <clears throat> sitting next to the host of this big outdoor event is one uh, somebody on the city council, who obviously I know who it is, but I've never been personally introduced to or never met. So I sit down, and my friend's friend, who's hosting this party, says, oh, so-and-so, have you met Rob Vanilla? She goes, oh, I know who he is. And I went, ha, 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 ha. So, uh, the, the word's getting out, friends. That's, well, that's the moral of the on story. On that note, I would say um, one of my friends who uh, has never met you before recognized you, despite never having seen you, just saw you and thought you exuded such like no, Rob Vanilla. this is I not. This is you're making God. this up. I fucking oh, swear true. to God. I, that's, I, I, I She sent me a picture of you that she just like sneakily took and was like, is this Rob Vanilla? And... I'll be damned. It was you, Rob I can confirm that yeah. this, this actually happened. <laughs> My first caveat is going to be, first of all, I don't care that this happened. I think it's funny. It's a little bit weird. Oh, you mean you're actually laughing right now? You're not mad at all? I, <laughs> Sometimes I can't. I don't know. No. I, I'm <clears throat> this is why I wonder why you invite me on your podcast, because you just like know I'm going to be mean to you. And I, but I need this. This whole yeah. podcast, I mean, obviously this whole... Creative endeavor is a self-deprecating event. I mean, I'm, you know yeah. what I mean. So it seems good. like you're flog you know, me, flog me. talking a lot of psychology here. I don't know that. Uh... Yeah, but uh, no, I don't. I just hope that that person will become a patron of the podcast. That's all. I will. I will pass along the message. Yeah, but you know. And why are people taking? We are. Where was we I? Are all Do you, where like was I? Went you to, where oh, was I? Do you know? I, it was like a public square. I don't know if it was Rodney Square or like somewhere, but was it? I think it was at one of the, like a vent yeah. of some sort. It, oh. it was an no. He, oh. She wasn't like creeping your house or anything like that. Like yeah, it, no, it was like it no. Was I didn't think she was doing that. I think she, she saw me at the coffee shop. I actually have an idea. I, I I actually do know. I think I know when this was because I was talking to somebody uh, and somebody else took a photo and I think somebody else took a photo. You know, it was like one of those deals. Like I went, I'm like what? I, so I think I, I, I do. I think I do know I, this I mean, one. maybe I don't know. No, that's dope. Look. <laughs> I, uh, to be perfectly honest, there's also a part of it is like I want it to be good, 
Like, I know it's like... What, the photo? No, I'll fuck the oh. photo. The podcast. Oh, oh, oh. Like, if somebody cares about... Like, if somebody's listening to this and putting an idea in their head of, like, what I'm trying to say, and I look like what I'm trying to say, that's good. Because it's, it's, all, it's all, like, uh, it's... I don't want... Like you said, I'm getting Unified too branding? It's fucking on brand. This is where... This is what Margaret's trying to be telling. Like, I stay on brand. That's very socialist of you to be uh, considering your marketing for... Correct. <laughs> Correct. Well, the that's podcast. what I do. But believe me, I, I actually tried to get the last guest in. Well, the last guest who was in here, who we, well, you know, it's, it's going to be on, actually. Yeah, we'll have that's gonna be part that of on Friday and this probably sometime. So I don't, have to, I don't have to say because it it'll stay in. So uh, Jakim was talking about, he was basically making a class point. Like, you know, uh, that he, he I, I can't remember exactly the details of the thing, but to me, he was making a classic Marxist sort of class materialist point about organizing in like working class and poor areas, mm. which was actually, I thought, and he was making it in a way he does it. Yeah. And I said, you know, you're explaining a philosophy of an economist and a political scientist in England in the 1900s. He had a big beard. I said, you're a Marxist, bro. And I did. He was like, what? I was like. I, you, you, I said, you might not be a Marxist yet. Because he said something about, well, some people would say I'm a capitalist because I own businesses. And I said, well, you might not be a Marxist yet, but I feel like you're susceptible to our propaganda. So we'll see. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to say that my Marxist bona fides are fine. I feel fine. It's what all would Marx say, though? Would he look at your resume and... Uh... Can't say shit. He's dead. Explain a dialectic in two sentences or less. Explain a dialectic in two cents. It's a uh, it's uh, uh, trying to satisfy conflicts in material pre- in, the, in the material and political world. That's how I would describe it in one sentence. So things are in conflict. Two things are in conflict. Two 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 power sources are sort of in conflict, and you have to recognize them, and understand them, and try to uh, overcome them or satisfy them, uh, basically by organizing uh, working people. So that's specifically dialectical materialism. Yeah. Oh, sure. we a are we going to go right down? Thing. Are we going to go right in the... Are we doing this? No, we're not. Oh, thank God. Yeah. That would be... Yeah, that's... Dialectics are good purpose. content for approximately 30 seconds and then... Right. Yeah, the one sentence. That's why you always like, dial it down to one shit. Yeah. Yeah, you just... It, I, I tr- what I try to do is like when it comes up, it like when you're talking about some sort of systemic thing, like even like uh, when it's micro local you know hyper local you can be like oh this is a systemic thing and these are the these are the sort of the the competing power sources and these are like this is the contradiction that we have to sort of satisfy or come to some terms with and but then you can't even it still sounds too deep even when you have an example you know people are like carl's like i'm gonna just cut that out yeah i mean what what do you mean by like is it real what really is there actually a material world outside of our imaginations I just like doc- say yes. Dr. Pizza was arrested for like child sex or something. Did you guys like, get a contact high? Is that why you're doing this right now? No, I was just wanted to make a Dr. Pizza joke because I'm still like <laughs> hung up on that. <laughs> That's like I think that was the point where I realized that like okay, like we are 100% living in a simulation and like we're just being fucked with. I mean, we're being fucked with, but I, I actually think we're not even in a simulation. We're just getting fucked. Like, it's real. I think it's real. It's really happening. 
I think the simulation part of it is like people looking at uh, the system- systemic shit and man, like how did this get put together? That's why people are prone to uh, conspiracy theories. Like, that's why they love that shit because they're like, this had to be planned. Right, but some of them are real. Like Jeffrey Epstein conspiracy theories. Somehow, like we live in a universe where every single one of them is true and here, is here's, real, here's what despite I some of them seemingly be con- being like contradictory. I know. I, well, here's every the, single one is real. Like, it, here's the problem. Uh, Once you get down these rabbit holes, it's tough to get out of them. Have you done an Epstein episode yet? No. Oh. And it's just not the kind, like, I mean, you got to talk about this guy's ties to, like, the fucking. I'll commandeer the mics one day for an Epstein episode. (laughs) Yeah, you know what? I'd like to do one because the, the story is just fucking nuts. Because it has to be, I mean, it all goes back to the idea that the guy who had to resign in the Trump administration who engineered the. The deal, the original deal in Florida, Acosta, Acosta with his like, he, he was told children. he's on, he's on, he's he's on record under oath, basically saying that I was told by the feds, I don't know if he said who he said, maybe the FBI, or somebody in the government, in the Justice Department, that he was an asset, asset, and that he should be treated as such and tried to give every sort of like that's why he had like work release and he had like an office he could go to and all that bullshit. So, what does that what does that mean? Like, it, it would seem like for someone someone wouldn't say that of that stature in the, and, and on the record unless like you know it's going to come back on you. Someone's going to ask that. What do you mean fucking ask it? Well, I don't know. That's what they told me. I mean, so, what it means is that Jeffrey Epstein is Q. Oh God! I thought yes. I thought I thought John uh, John Jr. was Q. No, that's a that's a false flag. Same guy. Yeah. Right. Oh, my God. They actually look somewhat similar if you look at them. But, I mean, the other thing is, how do you fucking let the the guy... So, obviously... I mean, they've never been seen in the the same place. the The whole thing with him basically being fake, you know, basically getting a job out of high school as, a like, a math teacher and then being in a hedge fund that didn't have any, like securities and then running with all of these highfalutin, you know, neoliberal jet set types. So just that part of it is strange. Right. And then you, you start talking and you then need you sh- to look so much bigger though right now. Like you're just like spitting out facts and it's like, yeah, okay, like boring, whatever. Um, I want to talk about the really wild shit that is one hundred percent true. You know. Such as? Um well like how he didn't die, how I'm like also maybe playing with the theory that like there are multiple Jeffrey Epsteins. Um, like maybe one of them did die, but like I there think our I think our I others. think our current conditions are warping your brain. There can't be more than I mean. But why not prove? I me think that there's there at least be. six Jeffrey Epstein's. I wish yeah. I, I wish Adam Duvernay was here so he could tell us like yeah, that's his birds don't exist. Prove to me that birds exist. Right. Well, similarly, <laughs> prove to me you can't. So you know. Right. That, that's true. I from a logical from a logical point, sort of like rational man explanation. Yes, I cannot prove a. Uh, a negative. I am just going to fly. I'm going to get so many drones, commandeer them, and like fly them all over the, the Atlantic, the, the little islands. You're hitting We're going to find so many Jeffrey Epstein's. You're hitting on my on, issue like, here, see? Because everything is so bizarre. And so everything I said was just facts. Then you'd go into like him basically, you know, running a, 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 a worldwide pedophile ring, human correct. trafficking ring, uh, on a 
private but the island. But thing is, like, that's not a conspiracy. I mean, that's literally exactly what was happening. Right, but that's just what happened. So why does there need to be seven of them for it to happen the way that it Six. looks because like? Because if Six. I... It could be eight, actually. Because well, if one I just of take dead, it though. at its face that's value... Is, or is one dead? We don't know. Okay. Yeah, we don't know that. He might not be. But, like, if I just take it at its face value, I'm going to be driven mad. I will lose my, like, tenuous grasp on sanity and just, like, completely go off the deep end. You know what I mean? Like, how do you grapple with that as your reality and not just be like, okay, I need to, like, do irony to, like, protect myself so I, like, am able to function? No, I mean, I completely agree with you. Yeah. We so still... you can see my theory then that yeah. there are multiple Epsteins. I mean, they are, like, very. I can see why, no, I can see why you would think that there could be. They could just, like, you know, be putting the Epstein skin. Like, maybe he's been dead for a while and they just zip up, like, the skin I don't, on each a... other. I... They, like, cosplay as, they lark like, as Jeffrey Epstein. Liz... They are lizard people. There's well, no question about that. Obviously. Yeah, I mean, I don't even. I, I guess. I guess my way. I guess we're both dealing with the idea that it's so incredibly inane. I mean, it's fucking crazy. Uh, even like just the facts that I'm saying. I guess my way of dealing with it is just like think of the weird shit that's going I on can't. in Delaware. Like you know, some of that money is moving through Delaware because, like, you know. All the power players are pushing oh, sure. money through here. So, like, oh yeah, I mean, not only well, well, not only, and this kind of works into what we were going to talk about. Oh, that's good. Get yeah, but <laughs> no, no, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. <laughs> not only just every, talk about but you Jeffrey know, all, every 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 tax shelter that ever comes out ever is always oh, it was a it was a Delaware LLC. Every you know, arms deal, fucking backpage dot com. Uh, you know, you just put you just plant money here. It's a, it's a joke, but. What I found out about the guy who wrote this op-ed is he, you know, he's just from this group, uh, the National Right to Work Coalition. So they, so they, they, they published this op-ed in, in the Delaware State News. Did you notice he kind of looks like Chris Coons? <laughs> he does. Yeah. Uh, you got to look at this guy. Uh, we'll we'll put a we'll, we'll we'll tag this in the in the sh- in the show notes. We'll tag. We'll put a picture of Ran- him and Van several Bob, other people that could be Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. This is probably going to be several different things because we're already 45 minutes in and we have not done the main thing. You know what? Fuck that. Sorry. Let, you know what? Let's just, no, let, let's just, let's just van. Here's what I was going to say. Well, we can put this in anywhere. I'm pissed off that, and, 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 uh, you know, I've never said this. Kirsten Walters here. I don't oh, think I ever yeah. introduced No, I, I don't believe you did. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, uh, a, uh, we're 45 minutes in, and I didn't introduce uh, Kirsten Walther. Uh, she's a returning champion, of course. She's in one of our most infamous episodes. Some of her antics uh, got us all reprimands from the regiment leader over there. Oh, I'm sorry. Was it was it me who spilled the wine, or was it— I um, mean, every, aren't no, we, who was In that? the spirit of solidarity, aren't we all going to take some kind of blame? Look, Carl didn't do anything, and he used the pronoun we. <laughs> that and is he true. didn't do anything he, wrong. He didn't no, even Carl drink. Didn't do anything wrong. He said next time we won't drink so Carl much. Was really but good. he didn't even drink anything. So he took a little bit of the heat. It was mostly Steph's fault, though. No, come on. She's not here to defend herself. Fuck her. Steph. I she did. Her. She moved away. And I know. She's in Philly now. On to bigger and better things. I'll tell you what. I And I, I sent her... Uh, our first, I don't know if you heard it, we did like a bonus episode and we tested out the Skype equipment that we bought that we could do uh, stuff over Skype. And we talked to uh, Maria Beauchamp yeah. in, in Puerto Rico. And the only, I was introduced to her through uh, Steph here right. when they came in and did, a, and did like an environmental thing. 
it was great because I wouldn't have done. She like it was a she introduced me to her and we'd had that cool little conversation when she was in the streets of San Juan. Yeah, so I sent great. Steph a note after she moved. I just, I was like, you know, she's dope. She's like, I know. That's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she's Marie's great. good people. But you're back. I we'll am. give you. I'll tell you what. We'll give you fifteen percent of the of the uh, of the problem. The KKS episode. You're K of the KKS. <laughs> okay, fifteen percent's fair. That's how we refer to it. That in, was just like. Yeah, it was very different. It was weird vibes, you know? <laughs> very different than tonight. Uh, yeah, I was also really I'm... sick, and, like, I wasn't sure that I was, like, that anyone was going to be able to hear me because it's funny. I was, considering like, the circumstances, and... Considering the circumstances, the, the sound came out okay. I was very shocked because, I don't know, I mean, well, all credit to Carl because, and Margaret, she was here as well. Margaret was there too, yeah. yeah. She was, she's also on the hook because she was drunk as well. Was she? I don't know about that. She was fucking hammered. I feel like you were slandering all these people. She I mean, I know. That... Look, it's it's on the record. The, Margaret, the episode you, is on the record. Do you want Margaret to like come back? Because I feel like you're driving her away right now. <laughs> <laughs> you are well, leaving Carl. She's a super to drive. producer here. She is. She gets her credit. I'm just saying she was drunk that night. That's all. I'm saying. Margaret also is. Um, coordinating a new Network Delaware campaign. I know. Which is really exciting. I, I know. We just talked to her like two weeks ago because oh, she nice. jumped on. She, because uh, she's going to have, she has less time because she's coordinating this whole thing. Yeah, because she's doing that activism shit. Yeah, she's in the street. Yeah. I She um, facilitated, solo facilitated her first meeting um, like a week and a half ago and I was there and she did a great job. I was really proud. Yeah, I mean, and I told when we when we talked a week or two ago, and she said, you know, she doesn't have a lot of time anyway with the work that she does and the other things that she has going on. So she was gonna have you know less time to contribute to this. Yeah. Um, and I was like, well, you're it's all part of the same thing. Like it's it's great. Like this, the, what she has contributed. She was there that night. She she actually when Carl wasn't available, set up uh, a couple early ones. One was with Carrie that was really good because yeah. it was after we went. She and said that went well. You we went when we lobbied uh, Lisa Blunt Rochester. We did like a recap of it with Carrie. Oh and, boy, yeah. No, I I received several texts about. Um, yeah, I had to go how back. That went. I had yeah. to go back in and apologize. Oh, you, that, well, that's good. I apologize to uh, Courtney in her office. I think her name is Courtney, right? Yeah, I mm, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, obviously, based. I'm not on, based a on lobbyist. Yeah, not not my scene. I, yeah, I mean, but I I've she's uh, been accommodating. Yeah, no, I'm, you I'm say. happy to hear that. I mean, I guess that's yeah. what you have. That's the job. But, True. Yeah, but, whatever. Yeah. But but yeah, Margaret and and she, and she uh she actually did a couple of them where she contributed. Like I know she with Sarah McBride, she did, mm. and she was on another one. So it was it was it was really it was really cool. And she's gonna be back, and she's still around. Yeah, um, I know. yeah. We are kind of like talking about her as if she's like dead. Yeah, <laughs> we miss her so much. <laughs> I know she's around. So sorry it ended like this, Margaret. Yeah. So what we were going to do is we were going to talk about this thing a guy wrote about. Basically, so it was one of those op eds that this guy uh, Mark Mix wrote, who's just a shill for this shell of a think tank, the Right to Work Coalition, and it was Coke funded when it started and. It's all that bullshit. But it's just this national, you know, fight for the corporations effort. So they write these bullshit op-eds and they get sent to every podunk paper in the country. You know, if you, if you, if you Google Mark Mix, you know, and, and the news items that come up, you'll see that it was in, you know, hundreds of just dumb papers all around the country. And the point of the thing was that 
forced uh, union dues. The tyranny of big the tyranny, union. The tyranny of big labor. You're not, unless you're free to be exploited by capital, you're not really free. And it's just a, dis- it was a disgusting thing to put out on Labor Day. Uh, I, and I was even more disgusted because He I, also tried to use service workers as a prop, which was pretty revolting and made me very angry. Yeah, it's just this idea that any power that you can have or protection you can have is actually, you know, holding you back. But if you look at the at the at the funding, if you look at the reasons, and we talked about um, democracy and chains. If you're democracy and chains, um, it's here somewhere. I'll probably give it to you. I loved it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. It's basically. Oh, here it is. It's right there. So it's basically the story about um, the Chicago School and Mount Pelerin and how all of these libertarians at the turn of the like the when they you know, all the ones that fought FDR. So mm. it was like. They had the Gilded Age. They had to come out of it. But then they came out of it in the 50s and tried to do it with, you know, they and from the 50s until now, they've sort of Koch Brothers stuff and George Mason University and all that. Jazz. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's very insidious shit. It's and incredible, I, and, like, and how so, much has been, like, how much of, like, labor's um, confrontational history has, like, happened in Chicago. Like, activists organizers in chicago like fucking throw down and it's really inspiring like i was just reading about the chicago teachers union um dealing with fucking uh duncan and like rami manual um a newly elected rami manual and like just throughout like the history of the iww and with um emmanuel recently um their teachers unions have always you know or have in recent history been um have housed some really radical factions, um, and it's yeah, all it's the incredible big, to all think the big of just teacher like strikes how, lately have been super duper. Yeah, I mean, just like how much um, we can learn in Delaware from them. Um, it feels a little overwhelming at times because like we have to build so much more from the ground um, to even you know be approaching like some of the stuff that they have the capacity for. But now, it's I, just I go, I go too a really far. inspirational model. Yeah, and I, I go because I've had a couple conversations with some people around the education. And I, I neglect to cover a lot of that stuff because frankly, I don't have kids. I never ha- I never had any. So it wasn't I knew I would pay whatever taxes and I would advocate for more. Yeah. But I never knew like the machinations of the different what was going on. So now I'm trying to get back into it and I'm talking to folks and um uh, you know, I I, I want to foment a strike. You know, it's like they yeah. they're they're like, well, that's that would be against the law. I'm like, who gives a fuck? Did you see that? Um, on Wildcat. A, do you know the the app TikTok? Have you heard I, of it? I know. Yeah, because I'm okay. on Twitter, so I see sometimes they post yeah. the shit on there. There was a kid in um what is it Clark County or something in Nevada who was advocating for a student strike in solidarity with the teachers, who um like I I forget what. I think that like they had been, their pay had been frozen for like years, and the kids were planning a walkout, and it just was really cool to see. And like I don't know, the youth are they're yeah, they're, they're coming around. I mean, it is it is a nice, you know, it it really two things about it. Number one, the kids coming around because because uh, Greta's in the United States, and I think that's totally dope. You know, they're afraid of her like crazy. They come down on her, but she's got the whole world doing the student strikes every Friday for the environment. 
I followed it. That's dope. Um, ah, fuck, I lost my train of thought about the, uh, the other student shit. Damn it. I'll, I'll fucking remember it. The kids are good, though. The kids are all right. summary. Yeah. <laughs> and Chicago, just a really incredible place of activism um, and some super dope organizers. That's what I was really going to say. Cool they, they're, one on of the, they're one of the models that... Um, had got they've gotten a lot of DSA members uh, and labor people elected to uh, city yeah. council. Yeah, Kobe and I had spoken to someone who was working on shit. Who one of the the council members? Um, and it was like interesting to hear from him about like what some of the next steps were in like basically putting together um, a short term and medium term plan for the legislation, um, like the bills and such that like they wanted to pursue. Um, and that was something like, so that was when we went up to the Working Families Party um, National Committee, and oh yeah, you know I, ta- I talked. It was to, amazing. Yeah, Vanessa, I to Vanessa about this. Yeah, yeah I yeah. saw her when she came down, and yeah, like it was awesome. Yeah, and just like the um, the question was posed there, like how are we planning to build durable power? And um, it's been rattling around in my brain ever since. It's been a few months now because like. I felt like, oh, we didn't have a plan for what we were going to do once we got people elected. And obviously, like, when you are pushing candidates in this current system, like, they're going to be really susceptible to other influences. So it's really important to be, like, tight with your plan um, when candidates actually win. What is their goal then? What legislation are they looking to pass? You know, what things are they looking to advocate for? from above that you're simultaneously going to be um, trying to like grow the political mandate for at the ground level. Um, And like part of it is, well, a large part of it is just capacity building. Like we don't have enough organizers. We don't have enough like manpower to be able to do that effectively for a bunch of different, different like elected officials. But um, it's going to be something that is really important. I, well, hopefully as we get more electoral wins and, um, as we can like actually start to build our political mandate and like demand the things that we want. Yeah, I um, I think about it for the same sort of the same issue from a little bit different perspective. And I think you might have a good perspective on it. <clears throat> we talked a lot when I first kicked this off at the beginning of the year. It was like, hey, we made so many inroads in the fall. Um, you know, obviously all the Democrats that won statewide were just garbage people, but, but, but in the legislature, you know, there was some reason to be happy. They flipped a couple seats. They have a couple folks that are friends of ours and we're like, Oh, okay. And then the, and then the general assembly went in and did what they always do, which is a big fucking nothing. Well, it's an extremely toxic culture because if you do demand like things that are outside of what you know the the general consensus is that is you know molded by leadership in a lot of cases then you're going to be blackballed um and like people who are just coming in who don't have the like the clout to throw around of course aren't going to be comfortable like 
putting themselves out there. Um, and also, like, I, I guess I, even if they did, it might yeah. it probably wouldn't be effective. So, yeah, like, and I, guess I think... And I, and I guess my retort to that, because mm-hmm. I've had this conversation with a bunch of people on the mic and not off the mic everywhere, because I, I want to try to think about how to go into these conversations with some of these folks. Mm-hmm. But what has been the benefit of going al- like you can say, well, Kowalko has been blackballed. Everybody thinks he's a joke, mm-hmm. which is which actually is true. But everybody who thinks he's a joke is a fucking idiot. But in, in any event, mm-hmm. what has somebody who's just sort of laid back and didn't make any waves? What have they accomplished that Kowalko has, hasn't accomplished that none of them accomplish anything? No, as far right. as I'm concerned. which is but that's the issue, though. Like it's and that's fundamentally what I'm concerned about is like actually being able to not just build power but like enact our political will and in neither case are we able to really do it so like i think yeah and it sucks and it sucks that people like don't want to listen to like a good bill that kowalka will put forward or whatever but i think like just getting in the habit of thinking about it less is like well, you know, we could do it either way. You're not going to get anything done, so you might as well be loud. Or, like, people say you might as well, you know, acquiesce to, like, whatever the uh, leadership wants that maybe you get a bite at the apple if you behave or whatever. But, like, I th- for me, like, I mean, frankly, like, I'm reluctantly involved in electoral politics because um, I think, like, there's a hard limit to electoral politics. There is only so much you can push a party. Um, parties kind of inherently are reactionary bodies um, because people in the party are really invested in like maintaining their power and maintaining their control. So it's even if you get like more radical folks um, into the party, like it still is just a a hierarchical structure that is um, built on like the necessity of self-preservation. So like I think it's really important that we get good people elected. I obviously, you know, I supported, um, worked really hard every single day, you know, without days off for a few candidates this past cycle. And like, um, I think it was good work and important work. And there are like certain cohorts of people that you're going to most effectively be able to reach through electoral campaigns. So I think that like, that's really useful. Um, but like, I think that ultimately, like, we have to remember that like electoral politics alone will never save us and we'll never deliver the results we want. So like it's an effective tactic and like it's a tool in our toolkit. But like if we really want to reimagine the kind of society that we want to live in, it's vital that we are thinking about building that from the ground and, you know, in workplaces and faith communities in schools um, and asking people to talk with their colleagues, figure out what their problems are, what things need to be fixed, figuring out, you know, what resources they can amass in their communities locally to win what they need to improve their lives and um, build that, like, sense of class solidarity at the ground level so that we actually can, like, demand change. I agree with all that. Yeah, we can't keep sending the newer better people into the same wood chipper basically precisely yeah and i guess that's my and and again i i I think your points well both of the points are well taken and number one the one you said is i i worked sort of not as hard as you guys did but i worked tangentially with a lot of folks too and yeah and um i i would do it again Mm -hmm. um that's not a question and as carl said you know they're better there's no question they're 100 percent. yeah yeah they're they're friends of ours they understand sort of the issues and what we want to do 
Um, so it's not, it's just a critique. Yeah. It's like we have to figure out a strategy like, okay, you can't, maybe, maybe you can't, uh, you know, be a Kowalka or you can't, you know, flip flop two initials and change your name or do something gonzo. Right? Well, you can do that. I mean, I will do it. And <laughs> just because I, and I would always say Kowalka should continue to do what he's doing. Yeah. Well, I don't care. He's effective in the sense that he's doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, that just people don't get that. Like playing, you know, falling in line and just listening to leadership to make sure nothing happens. That's yeah. not, and that's to be clear, it's not it. just like leadership. Um, oh, I, I don't no, want to no. like throw everything at them, but I will. It's I just know, that started everybody. The Delaware political culture. I yeah, people are really little. invested in like maintaining their fiefdoms, and so I guess rather like, than believing in a larger movement. Yeah, and in, I guess like, if you solidarity. believe in a larger movement, the next step would be like, okay, you know, maybe I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be able to make any legislative rule changes unless I go back. And I build a movement, sort of what Bernie's doing on a national level, and I get people together. Um, they do it like issues, like I know the gun issue is a big one now. They get they're getting people together. But if you did that, if you organize like that, in for everything, you'd have pressure. Then that would that pressure might might crack it. But I feel like they're stuck between. Uh, you know, being a Kowalko and not having any respect, or falling in line, with however you want to, however you want to define that, and then never, and then being very ineffective, and some of them are more conflicted, mm-hmm. or it, it hurts some of them more than others. Yeah, some of them don't care, and some of them are like, man, I wish I could. I'm trying, like, uh, you know, people I get to throw out good names. Maybe we'll cut them out if you don't believe them. But like Paul Bombach. Like I feel like I was earnest. Uh-huh. He's an earnest dude. But I I do want to say this, and I I've said this to people, and I'll I'll call out people who like I have a feeling about, and yeah, and I mean people say the same thing about Kowalko as far as the strategy, and I don't really care. Like if I feel like somebody's being genuine and trying to do whatever's you know he he's not a fucking you know he's not a uh, Clinton sort of yeah. slick cool. he's not a slick operator. So yeah. because he's not a slick operator, he needs people to know. Like us, that we appreciate what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. Like you, we're, somebody's going to have your back. You're not going to be out in, in an, like I feel like Kowalko. I always use him as an example. Is out in in the hinterlands. Yeah. Like he just has well, no respect I mean, at like, all. Look at how like look at for example like Medicare for all um, and how it has and I mean I would argue that like really only Bernie supports Medicare for all. Um, I. I'm very unconvinced at Liz Warren. Kamala or Kamala has like walked it back entirely. Um, but anyway, we don't even so, have to debate. Yeah, president. I, this is I, a Bernie I bunker. The, That's all well, there is to it. I hate talking about presidential politics, yeah. other uh, than to just like dunk on their like stupid comms strategies. But um, like, did you see? The, can we just make fun of one thing real quick? Yeah. The, I saw it today. The Beto, it's just like, oh fuck, dude, or something. His oh. new, like, his new, isn't he selling a T-shirt that just says like, oh, this is fucked up or something? Oh yeah, Beto fucking O'Rourke. <laughs> oh hell yeah, because that Why has that running? has real God. strong Pod Save yeah. America energy. It does like that. He is like whew. so. A I, podcast yeah. where you can say fuck. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Spicy. Yeah. Um. <laughs> yeah, but like I was, I think what I was saying was that like, so. There has been a lot of movement in the past, like, you know, four years on the electoral stage regarding, like, Medicare for all being, you know, seemingly more and more viable um, policy that, like, you know, I I know it's 
a pretty slim chance with the Senate, but like we, it would help a lot, I think, to get like um, a president, obviously, who supports Medicare for all, and like continue to push the the issue and like build the political will to actually get it passed. But like, I mean, the reason that Bernie Sanders is able to like confidently run on Medicare for all is because for years that there had been activists pushing it locally and you know running issue-based campaigns and like building the political will at the ground level to make it like a viable campaign promise and so like i think that that's the model like for someone like me um that's the model i'm looking at like and i'm more interested in like building the political will rather than um like the the electoral aspect of it because i think like it tends to always be the politicians who get credit for these policies and like, you know, I'm not taking anything away from Bernie Sanders. However, um, it it's really the unsung heroes who are, you know, grinding every single day, doing their shifts in their neighborhood canvassing or like, you know, uh, whatever calm stuff they're doing and like, you know, holding town halls and just doing that, that grunt work that never gets brought up who are really like the heroes of uh, these policies. Yeah. And I think that's what I'm, I think you're exactly right. There has to be a big movement, and yeah. this is the argument. This is why. But you can use electoral the... campaigns to to build that, though. Correct. You know what I mean? Well, I mean in a we... way that, like, you might not be able to do with, especially in Delaware, where there's not really like an organizing culture. Um, you can't really do it with like issue based stuff. The, the reason, the best, the best uh, example of how people don't understand this is there's like a big cohort of people that think that there's really not a big difference between Bernie and Elizabeth Warren, mm-hmm. right? Those people don't like, they don't. Get, I do wonder though. So uh, they don't get what you're talking about. People on Twitter about, like, say that, but like, I don't know how true that is in real life. Yeah. I. Or like the people who, in real life who say that, I tend, are probably upper middle class white liberals who always are like, oh, I would have voted for Obama a third time if I could have. Like, I, I don't necessarily know that, because I hear what you're saying, but, like, I don't know if that's representative of, like, a significant slice of the population. Uh, you, you know, I think that's probably right. Yeah. I, I had a personal experience that was basically exactly what you just said. Yeah. Um, that was, like, yeah. Like it's, I, like, you know who would be the biggest Warren head? Uh, the dad in Get Out. Like yeah. he would be so excited for Elizabeth. Well, Warren. and again, it's exactly what you and said. Like, it's those I mean, pe- I think that she is like the second cohort, best choice. That but. particular cohort of people, what they're doing is they're convincing their themselves. It's them convincing their themselves that they know that they can't get like somebody at the other end anymore. Like they know that yeah. they really can't vote for Biden. She say. just gives me such but, like but Obama wanna... vibes, where she oh, is yeah, planning to be no. a technocrat. Well, that's the and... thing. And then you hit the nail on the head because that's the difference that yeah. people don't understand. It's not about figuring out. But also, I will how say the difference. Bernie Sanders campaign needs to do better because, like, yes, I I do think that that is a difference, and I don't think that like it's a difference that gets um, articulated enough. But like, I think that the Bernie campaign isn't necessarily doing themselves any favors with um, like some of their outreach strategy and some of their field strategies and like well, I give mean, me an no, just, well, I'll like, give you an example yeah, yeah I mean you, and you're closer to it than than, than yeah. I am I mean to be clear, like, like I don't strategy like, but yeah. like I'll do I'll say something like this like I know and it hasn't happened around here unfortunately and it goes back to the topic we were going to talk about about labor mm-hmm. and unions I know that, that Bernie for example and his and the campaign have used their list to get people out 
in like in local areas to support strikes and yeah, labor, which is wonderful. I love it. Yeah, like that's and I'm just that's using one it of as like, a new yeah. example of something that they're doing to yes. actually support the ground actions that you're talking about. Yeah. So I'm interested in what like some of the stuff you think they should be doing that they're not doing. Um, I still think that the campaign struggles to um, like deal with issues of race, um, well, racism, and like I think that it was very clearly a blind spot in 2016 that like he was not able to um make inroads with black voters in the south and like people tend to get really defensive about it but like that's not productive you need to address why that's happening and fix it because like it there clearly is something that's happening yeah well let me ask you this and like i think that you know he considering he wants to and again, like, I mean, I'm a Bernie voter, voted for him in 2016, will be voting in 2020. But like, I I try not to be a fan of politicians. And I yeah. like, because I do plan to vote for him, I want to push him to be as good as possible. And it frustrates me that like... I completely agree with that. Yeah, well, he still like is unable to articulate the way that um, race, like white supremacy and capitalism are... Um, dependent on each other and like mutually reinforcing systems. Here's and what I, here's what I, here's if you're what running as a democratic it. socialist, like you should be able to articulate that. I I, I feel like you. I feel like you're you're right that he, there wasn't enough of that in 2016. Mm-hmm. They weren't as organized. It was like kind of took off out of their hands a little bit. Yeah. And so while I understand why it wasn't, it was definitely like they didn't. It wasn't good enough. Yeah. But, you know, a couple months ago, I saw this cool video of a, a big town hall discussion in South Carolina mm-hmm. uh, because I wanted to watch uh, Cornell West because right. Cornell West is, I mean, it's the best. And so he's talking at this panel and the, th- and the thing pulls back and I was like, oh man, there's Bernie right now and there's somebody and there's Carrie. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm like, but they're, but they were. In, I, was, I was teasing Carrie about it. And I'm like, yeah, hey, you're, you're like a top notch now. You're on the, the big team. Yeah. She's like, yeah, you know, sometimes I do stuff. Um, but but that was a huge event in, in South Carolina. I know Bernie was just in South Carolina two more days, like last week. I don't, I, I'm, I don't know him. Like, I just know that I, I kind of follow it, sort of, a little bit. So I know he was there. Yeah. Well, I think so like I know also it's been this a is thing, like, like it's about like it is going to have to be a long-term effort. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. I just, don't you, do you think, it's clear to me mm-hmm. that they've recognized that that's a, that's a, that's a thing. I'm sure they're aware of it, but like, it's also not something that you can fix. You, there's no quick fix. It yeah. is going to take years to build. Um, See, I would, the argument, because you have right. to work, right. you have to work in solidarity with each other towards common goals. And like the campaign, is apparently like they don't have folks on the campaign who have been doing the work locally, and like that's really I think what it's going to take. Um, yeah, see, th- I and agree. Look, with there's you. no like uh, I'm not saying that like any campaign is doing it well, yeah. but it's just I tend to be more critical of Bernie Sanders because, like, me too. I yeah, want him I, to I be the best it. he can because yeah. I like if I'm going to vote for him, I want to demand that he, you know. I noticed. I noticed as strong in, as possible. I noticed. In, in, I don't know if it was one of the debates or one of the speeches that he made mm-hmm. that was really publicized a couple months ago, maybe three months ago. I think it was a debate 
But he told the story and it resonated with me because I'm reading this book, the Sam Stein book about gentrification in the real estate state. Yep. He's coming on, that guy. It's going to be great. How did you get him on? Or how are you going to? Uh, well, he's going to come over Skype. But we're going to talk about the book. It's actually right there. I just finished it last week. Damn. Yeah, so he's going to do That's it over impressive. Skype. Yeah, I'm pretty You pretty really so, are like building a legitimate podcast here, Rob. Well, look. I, I got to stop making to... fun of you to all my friends. See? <laughs> See? Uh, yeah. Yeah, Just kidding. So, I will not stop making fun of you. So, no, that's fine. <laughs> I, I know. I know. Um, but he, he makes a point in there that I think, um, I lost my train of thought again. What were we talking about? Yeah. Uh, oh, you can tell. So, um, I uh, oh, apologize on my behalf that I did not um, oh, buy his thing. book. I pirated uh, it from That's fine. I, I, yeah. I'll buy another one. Okay, good. I'll buy one for, actually, Carl <laughs> bought one. No, he probably pirated it too. No, to be fair, I did spend the one dollar to get the ebook for that. I yeah. actually I, just to just to show you just to show you the kind of bougie shit I do when the Ninth Street Bookshop closed. Did you buy them out? I, I thought about it. I actually looked at their proposal, but the building's owned by a Bruccini Pond subsidiary, and I won't. I won't. That would be really cool though if you could give us a leftist bookstore in Wilmington. That was my plan. I went to look at How Jack and Gemma's. How good of an idea is that? I went to look at Jack and Gemma's plan, like what they were selling because they were retiring, and right. I know them. Um, and I looked at it and I was thinking, could I turn this into a little sort of like a Haymarket books? So yeah, speaking exactly. of Chicago, yeah. have people come talk about their fucking leftist book like this. Yep. Now I'm just doing it here, but like I had that idea. Or like what's the one in Philly? There's like a red, what's it called? I something get my books at Head House. Red and something footwear. There's, there's a couple of them. Yeah. But okay. I, so, but anyway, since they've closed, I've gone to get, I, I get my, uh, my books shipped for me from an independent bookstore in Philadelphia. Yeah. But I get the pod, but I just, I, I can't, uh, I can't. What are you reading right get, now? Oh, you, wait. I'm reading. Uh, the, are you just reading the one or? I finished that. I just read this Orwell. Oh, you know, I'm going to read the Ryan Grimm. Uh, we, we, we got people. Oh yeah. I'm reading that next. Cool. Because um, I just read some fiction. That's why I got through that Orwell. Yeah, I kind of... Uh, oh, l well, let me get into this. Uh, the, um, the the housing thing. You were talking oh. about... Um, oh, Is this going to be like the four-hour podcast? Or Maybe. are we going to This like, is the story. Just, okay. this is, I'm, I'm, I'm putting it back into the Bernie thing. <laughs> the Bernie thing. So yeah. uh, <clears throat> Bernie told a story at the debate. We can cut it there. But one, two, three. So Bernie was telling the story at the debate about he when, when he was doing activism in Chicago, um, they would send a, you know a black couple in to try to rent an apartment, and they would get turned away and have anything. It was too expensive. Blah blah blah. And then they would send later that day with the same demographics. Other than they'd send a white couple in, and they would get shown all these different apartments. Mm -hmm. And Bernie was part of like putting that together. Um, that was part of the same sort of organizing he was doing when he got arrested for housing. There's like a famous picture of him getting arrested for housing. So he's telling all of this stuff. It's people. And so the the idea is to me, it's not that he's not the guy that we need him to be because he obviously is. It's It's that there's political reasons that, say, middle class black people in South Carolina are more like democratic party people than like an insurgent right. person but the onus on the sanders campaign should be to turn out like working class folks who are low propensity voters because like yeah. the the likely primary voters are not his like core demographic because they're you know chances are they're better off 
Um, and like his his campaign is centered around the idea of bringing new people into the political process. So like that should be one of their like that should be something they do well. You know, that should be something that they focus really heavily on. And I wish that and I don't know, maybe like I, I, I think that things are looking better than 2020 in terms of like the structure of the campaign but like i better than uh, 16 yeah better than 16 but like i just would love for them to um like be doing more of that work where like they're actually bringing new voters in and i i don't know maybe i'm wrong and maybe like I'll be surprised. Hey, you know what? I think what you're describing is right. You're you're saying, look, I have these critiques. They're fair. I mean, you're right. Like, I just, I look at it from my side and I think, yeah, it is better. Yeah. He is who who he thinks. It's it's not like he has a sketchy record because his record is not sketchy at all. Yeah. I mean, the guy fucking endorsed Jesse Jackson in the 80s. Yeah. So the guy's solid. Him and um, Wellstone. Yeah. Um, so, but the idea is that that's another sort of conspiracy to... we could get into. <laughs> I, oh, I love. Are it. we talking Wellstone conspiracies? Oh no! Sure no I was going to try to wrap this up, and now we're on a conspiracy. He's one of the Epstein's. Oh, he never fuck. died, so he never died either. Yeah. Because that's the John F. Kennedy thing that he never died. Yes. Right. Yeah. Everyone who died in a plane crash is actually one of the Jeffrey Epstein's. <laughs> yeah. We're going Payne back to like golfer, <laughs> golfer Payne yeah, Stewart. Bring it full circle. Ex Yankees catcher Thurman Munson. Uh, also, why do so many baseball pitchers die in plane crashes? I don't think they. Well, they fly. Of, they fly around. They, a lot. they do fly around a lot. But like more so than any other sport that I can remember. Like I feel like. I don't think so. There have been multiple Phillies pitchers who have died from plane crashes. In well, the, the past, like, just 10 years. <laughs> well, they were both pilots. They were flying their own plane. Yeah, the thing is, you can't fly. Everybody knows not to fucking fly your own plane. These guys are, that's how John well, F. Kennedy Jr. died. they didn't, died. and... Yeah, yeah, but you know not to do that. Don't do that. That's how Thurman Munson died. People who die in plane John crash... John Denver. Per- exactly. Jeffrey Epstein. Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus he, Okay, wait. The new theory. They, they got him out of jail. They successfully got the double in, but then he died on his plane crash. <laughs> oh, no. Let me let me let me mention this one, and you can cut this in or cut it out. But I did want to mention this one thing I saw today because we were sort of talking about uh, field organizing and labor and this fucking stupid uh, union busting prick. Are we getting back to Mark now? We talk about Mark. Dark dark dicks. Yeah. Uh, I heard the stat today because I was listening to another uh, author talk about his book, and in ten years in Wisconsin, in the last decade. Uh, because of the big Scott Walker, the 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 Mayo guy, not you the follow on Instagram. Guy. No, not the Scott Walker. I'm not on Instagram, but not the oh. Scott, not the crazy Scott Walker, the, the Wisconsin Mayo. Right, no, that's uh, what I'm talking about. He has the most Scott. harrowing, like Lynchian Instagram I've ever seen. He takes all these like food pictures that just like because he just eats like a ham and cheese sandwich every day or something. Right? It's like other it's worse weird. Than that. Oh, it's there's weird shit on there. I don't know, like see if he's. Ugh. But and he's a big uh, he's a big coke guy too, but anyway he had that big thing against the teachers union and public unions because they think that that's tyranny you know or whatever. um, Um, But so so the stage is sitting at the Capitol. Correct. So they lost. I think it was around 150,000 union members in the that decade, Mm -hmm. and then Trump won by in Wisconsin like fifteen thousand votes something like that same thing in michigan it, it's not quite as big they, they've lost like a hundred and thirty thousand union uh, members in the decade and trump won michigan by i think 
think 11,000 votes, something like that, something very small. Yeah. So, again, I, I'm not like oh, Hillary Clinton, rah, rah, rah. Right. I'm just saying organizing, pe- working people on the ground does have an impact on electoral politics. And yes. electoral politics is just one tool. And I also would love to say um, regarding Mark Mix's um, bullshit that, like, right to work is, um, like, predicated on enforcing white supremacy in this country. Um, like we talk a lot about like what it means for workers, but like economically in terms of their paycheck, um, and in terms of benefits, obviously it like kills collective bargaining and such, but like, um, these laws were specifically, uh, formed by segregationists and white supremacists to break any solidarity between, um, white and black members of the working class. And... Oh, I hope so. But yeah, and, and I think it's um, like really important to consider that history because like obviously I'm sure you've like talked on here about like the way that um, white supremacy and capitalism are inextricably entwined and how um, capitalism is dependent on maintaining white supremacy to like, you know, um, provide basically like an exploited class of people to extract labor from. Um, but like... Right to work is an integral tool for maintaining that structure. And, like, if you support these laws, if you support, like, breaking the power of organized labor, then you are supporting racist policy, full stop. Uh, oh, do you want to plug some uh, network stuff you can stick in? Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, do that. I should have done this. Now I'm the unprepared one. Um, see, see. Sorry. But through the power of editing. <laughs> okay. So um, I just quickly wanted to say, um, I don't know if you knew this, Rob, but um, last month I started working as the leadership development operations coordinator for Network Delaware. Um, just a small, like, little bit on the side. But um, it's really exciting because we've got a huge slate of trainings coming up. We've really expanded this year. Um, previously had offered, like, a few with... The, the candidate school, campaign manager school, um, like basic organizing change. But um, we are getting ready to start our fall slate of trainings. Um, and let's see. So I just wanted to shout out a few things that are coming up. Um, if you are interested, you can go to, um, well, can we maybe put a link in the... Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll Definitely. have links to everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay. Carl's good about that. Great. Okay. So it's at the Network Delaware website, but um, we have an op-ed writing workshop coming up on September 4th and our first in a six-part series called Organizing Change, um, which covers just a variety of like um, organizing basics. Uh, it's a great way to grow your skill set. If you're brand new, that's totally fine. You don't need to know anything coming in. Our first session is on Thursday, September 12th. It's at 6 p.m. at the Episcopal Church of Saints Andrew and Matthew in Wilmington. Um, we have a campaign for starting an or a workshop for starting an issue campaign. That's September 22nd. Um, we have let's see um, a abridged version of our Run for Office slash Manage an Electoral Campaign training from noon to five on Saturday, October 5th. That's at the Route 9 Library. Um, so really just all sorts of things. Um, if you are interested in any of these, please sign up. We are always looking for new folks to get involved. It's also a really fun place to meet people. Uh, folks are very friendly and welcoming. And um, like I said, you don't have to have any experience. So 
if anything sounds interesting, like I said, go to the website, check out the events, and just stop by. So that's that's what I got. Nice. Yeah, and also um, with Network Delaware, we are going to be bringing on some fall organizers, which I'm super excited about. Um, but obviously, like we run on a shoestring budget. Um, you know, Drew works tirelessly for very little um, and is doing amazing work. But like, if you want to become a donor, we would so greatly appreciate it. Um, like I said, we work on a shoestring budget. We, you know, just want to buy things like room space for when we have big events and can't get a room for free pizza um, so that, you know, sometimes we can give food to people. These kinds of things. Um, we are really excited about building capacity and training more people to be organizing in their communities. But like, it's hard if you can't actually pay people to do it because folks do have bills to pay. Um, we're not like organizing rich folks who maybe are able to do it for free. So anything you can contribute, um, please become a monthly donor. We will put your money to good use, I promise. Yeah, they're they're bunker approved. I can I, I can tell you that the yes. as we've talked to so many people in here, work is being done in the street. So yes. I did find this, so I can uh, I can read this oh, as, as nice. a little closer. So they're talking about how they're going to fight back against quote uh, collectivist solutions. So this is uh, the, and it's uh, these are uh, ones a professor. And when you say they, this is these are economists and uh, and professors. Uh, from Mount Pelerin that uh, they were starting a school at the University of Virginia. Mm -hmm. Sort of like the Koch started the school at, is it George Mason or something that has the has the real libertarian uh, think tank? Yes. Yeah, it's like um, a so school of the Americas for domestic terrorism. Yeah, so, right. So that they had some, they started something similar in the 50s um, uh, at the University of Virginia. But leading up to that, like all of the intellectual and ran work was done like in the 30s mm -hmm. and 40s. So that's, they're, they're talking about uh, two folks in that, two economists like professors. <clears throat> Darden knew precisely what Buchanan meant by, quote, collectivist solutions to social problems. His father-in-law was Irene DuPont, the former president of the DuPont Company and one of the nation's wealthiest men. He was also among the most right-wing of the rich. DuPont so hated FDR that he had helped found the American Liberty League in hopes of restoring a, quote, employer's paradise by nipping New Deal uh, resolutions in the bud. But he and his corporate colleagues had muffed the job. Their arguments were so crude and self-interested that their mobilization redounded uh, to the president's advantage, enabling Roosevelt to denounce the millionaires as, quote, economic royalists, unquote, bent on keeping others down. It's fucking dupe. That's the story of Delaware there. An employer's paradise. An employer's paradise. But also uh, troll Charlie Copeland on the internet while my uh, Twitter's in Twitter jail. When do you get back? I don't know. I, I never know date. I think I think it was yesterday night. I don't believe that. You are definitely counting down the hours. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> I'm like, come on. Exactly. Gotta... It's constantly refreshing. I, I gotta be H-bomber guy's reply guy. See, I know how to drop a little shit in there. I'm in it. I'm in it. I can well, do not it. anymore. Not for the next week. I can still, um, I can still DM and browse, but I can't like, retweet, or message anybody. 
That's my it's my jail, my weekly jail. But I've appealed it because again, Mitch McConnell is very old, and saying that he will die soon isn't saying that I'm gonna like I hope he dies or I can make him die or whatever. I mean, I'm just saying he's a human being of advanced age, based on you know modeling. Based on actuary tables. No, because those ghouls live forever, like I said. Ay, ay, ay. Kissinger is going to be like 104. His skin is just like falling off of him right now. Can you imagine in another uh, couple of years? You know what? He's just going to be like a puddle on the I ground. Told, I, like I told, a hanger in the back of his suit. I told Nurse Susan like a month or two ago, because I saw Chomsky in, in Brazil uh, meeting with Lula or trying to speak out for Lula. And I was like, you know, if fucking Chomsky dies before Kissinger... I don't think I can go on. I say that my grandma. My grandma's 99, and I will, I can't, I'm not going to be able to deal with it. Yeah. You know what? We're going to close it on a dark note. <laughs> We've talked about yeah. a lot this evening uh, about the various Jeffrey Epsteins. We talked about Jeffrey Epstein, who's Jeffrey Epstein. We talked about JFK Jr., who's Jeffrey Epstein. Mike Prezicki. We um, who was Mike Jeffrey Epstein? Paul Wellstone. Mike Prezicki. Mike. I mean, Paul Wellstone is Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, but I think we can close it tonight by stating, without a doubt, that Henry Kissinger is one of the Jeffrey oh, Epsteins. One hundred percent. I wish they would. Have, I wish Kissinger was dead. Epstein. We don't know. He's not. Well, I mean, in a sense, he is dead. He but could just be the not body of double. not of the body. <laughs> not. <laughs> he's morphed. Yeah. You know what? We've had a long night here. <laughs> we're gonna sign off. We're gonna yeah. speak to you soon. We're we're still in the shadow of Rockford Tower. We're still behind enemy lines. I mean, Mike Brzezicki could be out there. Mike Brzezicki could be in here. Left his best. <laughs> <laughs>